Welcome to Daybreak Devotions, a podcast version of the daily radio ministry of the McLeansville Baptist Church with your host, Pastors Mike Barnett and Corey Cantrell. Hello and welcome to today's edition of Daybreak Devotions, brought to you by the McLeansville Baptist Church. I am your initial host today, Pastor Corey Cantrell, and I am delighted to be sharing this part of your day with you. I introduce it as initial host today because what we are going to be doing over today and tomorrow's broadcast are re-airing a conversation that Pastor Mike and I had not too awful long ago, but is definitely worth bringing back up to our attention today, basically centered around this thought. How are our thoughts prayers directed towards God? How is the mere act of us thinking about God intentionally, unintentionally even, those those fleeting thoughts, the reminders, the things that go through our mind, are those really prayers? And the reason that this is such an important thing for us to revisit is because I think for so many of us, prayer can be this complicated, convoluted, hard to understand, and at best, merely ritualistic thing that we do without really understanding the liberating reality of the only thing that God's looking for is our attention. He just wants us to think about Him. He wants to allow our thoughts to be turned to conversations about and with Him. And so, over the course of today and tomorrow, we're going to jump back in to that conversation that we have aired previously on Daybreak Devotions, and we trust that it'll be just as much of a help to you now as it was then, and perhaps you've never listened to that episode, you're not familiar with this conversation, well then, perhaps it'll be a great blessing to you today as well. And so, without further ado, I turn our attention to Pastor Mike, who is going to introduce the conversation for today. Our topic today is going to be on prayer, but perhaps more specifically on how our thoughts are or can be prayers, and and that helps us in in increasing our prayer life. All right, Psalm one thirty nine. All right, so we ended on Friday just by bringing out this um, this this image. I'm trying to think of the right word that David gives us about how we can try try, mind you, to begin to comprehend God's thoughts about us. Psalm one thirty nine, verse seventeen, and. 18, how precious are thy thoughts unto me, O God, how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. And I laid out there that in, in a, in a gallon-sized bag of sand, we had about 128 million grains or 128 million thoughts, which is a whole lot of thoughts, but we don't even know that that one bag of sand would represent a year of God's thoughts about us or a second of God's thoughts about us. They're innumerable. They're infinite because he is. Now, today what we want to do is think about how do we become more like that in our own life? How do we have more of an awareness of God, a greater knowledge of God? Because the psalm starts with David saying, Lord, you've searched me, known me, you know everything about me. And the question I posed was, how does God know so much about us? Well, he pays so much attention to us. He gives us all of himself. Now, we could never give any one person all of ourself Mm -hmm. at any given moment, much less two or three people our whole self at the same time. So we can not really comprehend that, but we can grow in it. 
the way the psalm ends is David saying, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, and this phrase, and know my thoughts. Now, I want to come back to that in a moment. But here's the question I want to pose to get this moving in the direction that we're headed. What is the most important thing that we can do today? I know you know probably what I want you to say, but let's pretend you don't know mm-hmm. what I want to say. Well, how would you answer that? No wrong answer, but just how would you answer it? Well, I think a, an immediate answer is you know, to serve God, to, to be busy for God and with God and to give ourselves to Him today. Are you answering that for yourself or for how you think the average person would answer it? Well, maybe, maybe myself if I didn't have maybe some more of the context of where this is heading, but just, you know, and probably where I think the average person, their, their thought process, the most important thing that we can do today is live for God today. That's Yeah, because you, you used words like serve God, mm-hmm. do for God, live, uh, live for God, which is actually secondary. Mm-hmm. So it's secondary to the be first, then do. I think a valid answer would be someone could say, well, we, 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 we love. You know, the most important thing we can do today is love. We love God and love other people. And that would be a difficult thing to argue with because that's the first and great commandment and the second commandment, and all the law is fulfilled in those two commandments. So to love would be great. But then to press into that, okay, well, how? what's the best way for me to love God? What is the absolute best way for me to love God? And the answer that I come to, and there, there could be other answers, but it is to pray. Our prayers are our best means of loving God. In the total comprehensive understanding of what prayer is, it is how we actually do go about loving God. And of all the actual doing that we can do, we do our best by praying. Now, we have to then ask the question, well, what is prayer? And prayer, I think, is best understood as the alignment of our heart, meaning our will, with God's will. I don't have it in front of me, and I didn't get to reference it directly Wednesday night last week. I don't even know if it popped up on the screen, the slide, but it was, it was a, a uh, slide for the prayer time. But it was a quote by, I think it was Chambers. It was either Oswald Chambers or A.W. Tozier. But he, he, I'm going to paraphrase this. He says that prayer is not asking God for things. That's a very elementary level. Prayer is me speaking to God what he already knows. But it is speaking to God what he already knows so that I may come to know it better. It's a very good statement about what mm-hmm. prayer is. But at the end of all that, it is aligning my heart with God. It's aligning my will with God. It is about communion, oneness with God. Okay, and, and there's no greater way to love than to be in oneness with another person. So that's what prayer is. Now, we can break all that down to, you know, prayer is, we've all heard the old adage, the acts of prayer, the, at, the uh, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. All that's fine. It's certainly a part of prayer, but at the root of it all, is my heart connecting with God's heart? Am I aligning with the will of God and the heart of God and the mind of God? If I am, then that's prayer. Which is why I will say often, praying is not about the words I'm speaking. Praying can be about the listening I'm doing. Praying can be done while I'm sitting there during the church gathering and the preaching is being done and I'm just listening to the Word of God. I'm listening to what the Spirit is saying in the message. That's a form of prayer. Okay, We'll come back to that because that's 
a lot connected to our thinking. But how much should we pray? So if the most important thing I can do today is pray, how much praying should I be doing? All of it. (laughs) Good answer. (laughs) How much praying should we be doing? We should do all the praying. Well, the Bible has many things to say about that, a lot of passages, and one of the first ones that will come to mind is 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Paul says we're to pray without ceasing. He says in Romans 12 and verse 12 that we're to be continuing instant in prayer. So it's ceaseless prayer, and it's that ready, you know, kind of, I guess spontaneous is okay to, to use, but it's just that readiness to pray at any moment. We're like minute men, ready in a moment's notice. Yeah, you, you don't want to be in a place where you've got to prepare your heart to pray when the moment arises that you need to pray immediately. Yeah, and then Jesus says, Luke twenty one thirty six in his Olivet Discourse, that one of the main instructions for the his followers in the last day is be praying always. And he says, pray always, Luke 21, 36. So God obviously wants us to pray all the time, mm-hmm. which sounds like a really tall order. We could say it this way. We ought to be praying as much as possible, AMAP, AMAP. And when you see AMAP, that means you're going to give it your best effort. Sometimes in exercise, that means as many as possible. Say, so what's our rep count today? AMAP, as oh. many as possible. And that's when you go off into the corner and prepare to die. But here's the thing about that, to the exercise analogy. Most people can do more than they think they can. You know, when you sit down at on a, a bench or you pick up a, a barbell or dumbbells, and let's just say you've got 60 pounds there on, on a barbell, and somebody says, press that over your head. And do it as many times as possible. And you might be thinking, I can do this how many times? Ten. Okay. I bet you could do 15, right? That's the importance of having somebody there who can help you push yourself into that. Most of us can do more than we think we can do. And the mm-hmm. same is true in our, our, our prayer life or our life of prayer. We think, man, how can I do more praying? I'm, I'm so busy. How can I, how can I pray when I am engaged in this business meeting that I'm a part of right now? Or how can I pray while I'm uh, having to tend to this child who just knocked over all the milk and spewed their guts all over the kitchen table? It's a good time to do some praying. <laughs> it is, but just... we we might think, that's the last thing I'm thinking about. Now I might think about praying when it's over, but how can I be praying? So all those could be legitimate questions. How can we pray always, or how do we pray as much as possible? Well, let me just lay out three things here. So first of all, we all know about our set times of prayer. So if we were to, uh, and this is the illustration I used in the kindergarten chapel last week, so take a jar, a little mason jar, and uh, it's about, uh, what it, it wouldn't be a quart, what would be uh, a pint. pint? Pint. So that's like half a quart, right? So that's two cups. So you got two cups. You know, I had the big gallon-sized thing of sand, and it's full of sand, and this is God, and he's full of thoughts about us, and he's always aware of us and giving attention to us. How do we get more of that in our life? So if the sand now is going to represent the amount of praying we're doing, we have set times of prayer. Uh, When we get up in the morning, I would assume most of us are praying to some degree in the mornings. If we're not, we ought to be. And and then maybe at our meal times, we give a word of thanks, and those are all good. And and when we go to church or like in the class, we had chapel. Uh, We have set times of prayer. Before you and I come on the radio, it's a set time of prayer. So all these are good. And if I were pouring some sand into my jar... You know, I'm going to fill up, you know, uh, you know, a uh, quarter of the jar maybe mm-hmm. throughout the day with set times of prayer. And that wouldn't be a bad amount. 
If I, if I broke this down into math, I'm not going to. It's not my favorite subject. Got 24 hours. I start subtracting. You know, I'm getting eight hours of glorious, luxurious sleep, so I got to take that off, right? But if, if we could, in the course of a day, just through our set times of prayer, have an hour, two hours, that would be good. It would be mm-hmm. good because we don't spend a lot of time praying at the meal. You know, it's like uh, the food's getting cold. <laughs> Hopefully. You don't spend a lot of time praying in the bath. One of the best pieces of advice that I ever got was, Corey, praying over the food is not the time to get caught up on your prayer life. Yeah, exactly. But if you add that into the other set times, you know, you could get a couple hours of praying in there. Mm-hmm. Well, then there are specific things that we pray over. That would be the second point I would make. So something pops up during the day, or someone asks us, hey, would you pray for me about this? Now, again, we've talked about this before, that when someone asks us to pray, if we're really going to do our best work, we probably need to stop and do it then. You get a call or a text or an email or something. Somebody says, hey, would you pray about this with me? The best time to do it would be right there. Now, we already know it's the most important thing and the best thing we can do today. So secondly, we know that praying is not wasting time. It's time directed my, directing my heart to God. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing else more important for me to be doing. Um, and then uh, you think about things that you're just wrestling with that just will pop up in your heart throughout the day. Maybe you're you're sad about something or you're burdened for someone. So there's those specific things we will pray for. So you got the set times of prayer. Then you got these specific things. Now, I, I don't know that the specific things will double the amount of sand in my jar. Uh, they could, especially if you're someone that people are really coming to a lot for prayer or they're asking for a lot of prayer. But let's just... Let's just pour a little more sand in there and say we got that jar a third full. All right? And I don't know that that's an exact science, right? Well, if I look at my jar now of the amount of prayer to God in my day, my life doesn't look full of prayer. Hmm. I mean, I look like I got about a third full of prayer and I got a lot of space left. So how do we fill up that space to actually be praying without ceasing? This is not the only answer, but this will be a real game-changing answer if it's not something that's already uh, real in your life and that you're aware of and you're practicing. It's my third category, and that is the spiritual faults that we have. And it is learning to, on purpose, have spiritual thoughts. Now, what I mean, what I mean by spiritual thoughts is, just to say it this way, simply thoughts about God. Just thoughts about God. Now, when I presented this to the kindergarten class the other day, I I gave them examples of when you leave class today and maybe later on you're outside and you see sand and you remember that uh, that Pastor Barnett came and gave an illustration of sand and that's like God's thoughts about us. Well, you're thinking about God, so we're going to dump a little more sand in your jar. Later on, the teacher has is in class is teaching you something about you know spelling or something, and she uses an illustration from Scripture and. And mentions God, and so you think about God. Like you, you deliberately think about God in that moment, not ignoring the thought, but you, oh yeah, God, God said that. Well, that's a thought, and so I can put a little more sand in my jar. Uh, later on, you're home at night, and Mama says, "Hey, what'd you learn today?" And you remember that Pastor Mike was playing with sand and told us about God and how he thinks about us. And and so as you're doing that, you're thinking, and we add more sand to your jar. The point is, is that throughout the day, the more we think about God, the more sand is getting in my jar. And all of a sudden, where I might have had it a third full at one, at one point, now maybe I'm a halfway full. And over time, and when I say over time, and we'll get to this probably tomorrow's broadcast, but over time, we're, we're, we're working toward getting to where our jar is full of sand. 
so that I'm not God. I could never have the thoughts God has to the capacity he has them, but I can be the kind of person that is prayerful, and I'm living in a state and a spirit of prayer ceaselessly, okay? That won't happen tomorrow. We can start working on this now, and it, you know, if I've got a quarter of my jar full through the other ways of praying, by the end of the day tomorrow, don't expect to be half full. But we're increasing as we go along. Mm-hmm. The more thoughts we have about God. I, I like, there was something that you've just said that I think kind of took me back and got me lost in my own thoughts a little bit. Because I think one of the things that maybe I mentioned on Friday or, or in a conversation with us was about how it can be overwhelming when we think about the amount of thoughts that God has about us and then we think about the how in comparison we have so few compared to so many that God has. And if we're not careful, we can take that and kind of feel like, oh, man, I, I got a long ways to go. But we can't compare our capacity for thoughts about God to God's capacity of thoughts about us because what we've been talking about, he is infinite. His, his capacity for that is, is so great, and he doesn't expect us to, to be filled with the amount of thoughts that he can. He just wants us to be full in our capacity. What is our capacity for thoughts about him? Now, that's still humbling because I've got, I have the capacity for so many thoughts, and I fill them with so many other things other than God. But to take the pressure off of being like, I don't have to try to get 128 million thoughts per second about God like he does about me. I don't have the capacity. I am a finite person. But I am motivated to, Lord, I just want to be to max capacity for you. Not 110% because I can't give any more than what I've got. But from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, I want to give all that I have in, with, and to you. Yeah, I think the better comparison for us to make if we're going to make comparison is how am I doing today compared to how I was a week ago Yeah, or a year ago? Because there we can look at, and by the grace of God, we see progress. And progress gives us a sense of victory and, and, a, and a sense of, man, I'm, I'm, I'm loving God better, and he deserves that. If I look at who I hope to be 10 years from now or who somebody else is 10 years down the road, I'm going to maybe feel more discouragement or whatever, but it's a good comparison to just see that we're progressing in this. What we what we want to do, I think, now is is ask and answer a, a what I think would be an obvious follow-on question. Somebody might be thinking or asking, well, are our thoughts about God really prayer? I mean, how, how do you explain or justify that just thinking is prayer? Okay, And that's a fair question. Mm-hmm. I would imagine a lot of people, or to a lot of people, it's a brand new thought to have that their thoughts could be prayers. Because I don't know that that's something that's commonly taught or understood, but it is certainly true, and I have Scripture to help us with that. So then are our thoughts about God really considered prayers? Well, let me take you back to the text. David here in in the psalm, which is a prayer that he is offering, says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. He's asking God to know his thoughts. There is one thing we can then put down as a fact. It is that God is aware of our thoughts. Now, that's really seen throughout the psalm, but it's specifically David is acknowledging that. He's saying, Lord, I want you to know my thoughts. I'm inviting you to know my thoughts. So why would I want God to know my thoughts? 
if we're thinking about him. I mean, we're we're wanting to we're wanting to establish that communication that commune mm-hmm. communication, right? That's a good word because it's the same as communion. I mean, he tells us in the next verse, "See if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting." So, in other words, David is actually saying, "Lord, my faults are where I'm aligning with you, and I'm either needing to be cleaned up." and or I'm needing to be led in the right way. So that that's a very valid you know scripture to make the case that our thoughts are prayers because that's the very definition of prayer. Mm-hmm. Whether I'm speaking words to God or not, my my intention is to be in alignment with him. So any wicked way has to go and I need to walk in the way of of life. Now, Jesus here's something I wanted to point out. Jesus is very pro thought and which I mean that sounds like a duh perhaps, but I wanna I wanna make the point by pointing out how many times Jesus says things like this, especially seems like Matthew conveys this or captures this a lot in his writing, but um, Jesus in Matthew nine four, Jesus knowing their thoughts said, Wherefore think ye evil in your heart. So he's he's thinking about the thoughts of people. But then he even asked the question. Well, he, first of all, here's one where he's directing thought. Matthew 10, 34, think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. But then here's what I was really wanting to say is how many times he says, or he asked the question, Matthew 18, 12, how think ye? Matthew 21, 28, but what think ye? Matthew 22, 42, saying, what think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? And so Jesus was always posing questions to the disciples, to um, you know the others that were listening in the crowd, the Pharisees. He's very concerned with the way we're thinking. So God cares very much about our thoughts. So kind of laying that groundwork, let's uh let's let's pause for now and we'll come back tomorrow and kind of get kind of start with pick that up again of how our thoughts are our prayers and then we'll we'll kind of unpack that a little bit further. So thanks for joining us today. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see you tomorrow. And we thank you for joining us on today's program. We hope that you'll tune in with us each and every day right here on Daybreak Devotions as Pastor Mike and I will discuss various topics in God's Word. If you've got any questions, comments, we would love to hear from you at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com.